warning! Repeated exposure to Ren and Stimpy's Space Cadet Adventures may cause temporary space madness! People go crazy on these long trips. It's Ren and Stimpy's Space Cadet Adventures, the latest craze for your Nintendo Game Boy. Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy! Let's rock! It makes me wanna fight! Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? Baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. On your mark, get set. Oh, here it goes! Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I'm your gackerific co-host, Brett. And I am your slime-tastic co-host, Alex. And all right, Brett, it's we're, we're done with school. I'm ready to sit down and play some games. How about you? Me too. I've been waiting all day. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the heck with homework. I'm just going to throw my backpack over there and uh, see what we got in our library today to choose from. Actually, no, that's not true, because I had to go to Blockbuster to rent these bad boys. They're very special games. Um, so I, as you all know, we mentioned or teased that in the previous episode, Nick Takes Over School 2 in 1999, that we are going to be doing a playthrough of 90s Nickelodeon video games. And some of you may be familiar with them, some of them... You may not. And uh, to help us here today accomplish that, we've invited a very special guest who loves both 90s Nickelodeon and video games. Please give a round of sound for Max from Ready to Retro. Hey, everybody. I'm super excited to be able to talk about Nickelodeon and video games. I'm all about it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what your uh, video game background is. Like if you have experience playing these games or what you played growing up without revealing too much. Yeah, so... My background, I mean, I grew up in the 90s, so video games was, you know, it's what we did as kids. So I actually, I'm, I'm a retro gamer and a retro collector. Uh, I kind of petered off. Like when I was in high school, I collected all the Super Nintendo Segas because they were like $2, $3 in bins. And then um, I'd go to like thrift stores and I would get like, Mega Man on NES and like it was so easy and then around I don't know 2014 2015 everyone started to collect yeah. and then the um the hobby kind of got you know it wasn't as fun so it kind of yeah. got toxic a little bit yeah. and then video games are pretty much just in collectors hands or in sellers hands so I've done a lot less of video game collecting but um I was kind of the weird kid in high school cuz this was like, you know, early to mid 2000s and I was playing like Super Nintendo and people were like, oh, that's cool, mm. but that's weird, you know? Yeah, because it wasn't like the current system. <laughs> no, and like retro gaming wasn't as cool. It was more niche. So mm. yeah. uh, some of the games that we're talking about, I I still have. I still yeah. have um, on yeah, it, cartridge. It was, more of a, it was more of a novelty at that point. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it wasn't until later when it became really popular again. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited. Um, you know, I grew up watching Nickelodeon. So to be able to talk about these five games, it's awesome. Yeah, it's essentially two birds with one stone. You're also a big fan of uh, 90s Nick, right? Because you've done some uh, episodes on your podcast. And I've, I actually had... Um, some collaboration with you in the past. Not only did we have you on for episode 11 of Splat Attack, which is 90s favorite 90s holiday specials, but um, we did some Are You Afraid of the Dark episode together, right? 
Yeah. So this past October, uh, episodes 70 and 71, Brett, you were on and we were celebrating the 30th anniversary of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So uh, episode 70, we talked about just kind of our love for it. Part two was we talked about our favorite episodes and stories and stuff. So you are like the Are You Afraid of the Dark you know, fanned and like the person. So uh, it was awesome you. having you on there. And Alex, we got to have you come on Ready to Retro as well soon. Glad to be there. All right. Yeah, it's great. You guys do really quality episodes. Always yeah. love hearing from your guests. Um, and I can't wait to see what you got in store for coming months. Yeah. Appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah. Just to do a shameless plug. So we just Go finished sports, uh, sports Month in April and we finished talking about the Mighty Ducks, and we had Justin Wong, who played Kenny Wu in the sequels. Uh, we had an awesome conversation, so if you are a fan of 90s or the Mighty Ducks series, be sure to check out Ready to Retro. Awesome, yeah. We'll put a, we'll put a link down below, below on YouTube and awesome. uh, also show it on the screen, too. Fantastic. Um, Alex, do you have any video game memories growing up in regards to like the games we might be playing today or how you got into gaming? Much like Max, I, I grew up playing video games uh, constantly. Uh, Nintendo, uh, mostly Nintendo. I didn't. I never had a Sega in the house, but I was very, very, very happy to go to friends' houses who did have Sega, so I could, I could play Mortal Kombat with the blood because <laughs> you didn't have that on the Super Nintendo version. Right. Uh, but uh, I, I grew up with them as the consoles would evolve. I would go with the new consoles, but I never got rid of my old ones uh, until mom got rid of all of them mm. at a garage sale. But whenever I was much like Max, whenever I was old enough to be able to have a job and get my own funds, I was, and I worked at a secondhand shop, I was able to get all those consoles back. And I didn't really go into collecting. It was mostly just, these are the games I had. These are the ones I liked to play. And I, these are the ones I always got at the video store. I just got the games that I liked. Uh, and then I thought I hopefully will be able to pass this down to my kids. Uh, hopefully this, this love of video game history. Uh, and that's pretty much where I've been. I still play some modern games, not very much. I don't really have much time to play games now any, uh, as it was, but uh, old school Nintendo and, and Super Nintendo were my favorites. And of all of the games that we are talking about today, I never played uh, for some reason, I don't remember them being in video stores here in my hometown. And I also was a little leery of video games that were based on movies and TV shows mm -hmm. because they often were really, really bad. Really and, bad. Uh, That's a fair so assessment. <laughs> so I, uh, unless I had some friends who told me, have you played this? This right. is really good. I, I stayed away from, from TV shows and and, and movies and um as much as i love nickelodeon even if that they were at the video store i i would have stayed away but yeah <laughs> i was uh but at, as i grew into the i had my my second wave of uh, 90s nick appreciation when i got older i was like man i got, I, I do want to play these i know they're going to be terrible but i do want to at least give them a shot so this is doing this episode has been great fun definitely yeah, um, I'll just have my two cents too in terms of my background. So I've been playing video games ever since 1991, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, 
uh, was actually my very first video game because it came bundled with a Sega Genesis. My dad got it for me for Christmas. And him, me, and my sister Chelsea would just play it like nonstop from Christmas to New Year's. I have very fond memories of like racing them in two-player mode or multiplayer mode. Whereas like we had to go through Mystic Cave, Casino Night, Emerald Hill, and whatever the fourth ones I think is special stage. And uh, that kind of started my video game journey. And I really loved the aesthetic of the 16-bit games at the time. Just something about the colorful pixels and the way that the sprites were designed and how they moved seemed very whimsical to me. So, you know, naturally I just kind of followed whatever consoles came out at the time and continued to like cherry pick and see what games appealed to me the most. So uh, after Sega Genesis, I did not go with Sega Saturn, but I jumped on the PlayStation. And Crash Bandicoot was like a big video game series that like got me hooked into it um, because I just really loved the way it platformed. So I was pretty much a Sega PlayStation person all my life. And then my friend Max, my other friend Max from uh, childhood, he used to live like down the road from me in Connecticut. Uh, we'd always go over each other's house after school and like read game guides at the back of the bus together, play Game Boy, you know, in the bus seat, stuff like that. And uh, he would introduce me to like all the Nintendo games and I would introduce him to all the Sega games. So we got a little bit of intermingling there. And, um, you know, it, it just was a great experience overall. And very much like you, Max, um, it wasn't really seen as like something you do in like high school. Like if you didn't have what a three xbox 360 or we at the time then you weren't like worth paying attention to even though you know the games are sp- still perfectly good and playable even today totally. um but i think it's just a stigma that has since gotten more acceptance as it becomes mainstream uh yeah. the only downside is that anything that uh transforms from being niche to mainstream kind of loses some of its charm as it becomes more appealing so you know I don't, I don't really collect as much uh, retro games anymore. I used to have tons of them. Now I'm more of like a minimalist attitude where I just like digitally download what I'm able to play that interests me at the time. Um, and I keep my physical collection like very tightly packed with like only my all-time favorites that I love replaying. So at least games haven't like completely disappeared from my life, but it still like is in its own little corner when I want to uh, revisit it and have some fun. Well, with um, with that little summary of our backgrounds, let's let's dive in with uh, the games we'll be reviewing today. Um, starting off, we have video game number one. <laughs> Plugging it in into the Sega Genesis is uh, Ren and Stimpy presents Stimpy's Invention. Okay, so your folks may act a little weird when they see you've got Stimpy's Invention, the new Ren and Stimpy game for Sega Genesis. So tell them it's the only game where Stimpy's mutatomatic invention explodes and warps the town, spreading giant flamingos and twisted lawnmowers everywhere. And you can be Ren or Stimpy and team up for crazy cartoon powers like the boomerang and chopper pilot. Hey, it's cooler than powdered toast, man. I just hope there's none of those disgusting hairballs. Stimpy's Invention, new for the Sega Genesis system, each sold separately. It was released on June 13th, 1993 for the Sega Genesis, as I mentioned. It's a platforming video game developed by Blue Sky Software and published by Sega of America. Uh, features Ren and Stimpy retrieving parts to Stimpy's invention, the Mutatomatic after it explodes. Uh, very simple premise. You have to go all around this like world map uh, around town to gather the different pieces for each level. Got like a neighborhood level, zoo level, city level, uh, like a weird space foresty level, um, like a science lab level at the end, and then 
uh, oh, there's like a dog pound level too that's based. Uh, all these are like loosely based off of episodes um, from this series. And the game title itself is based off of the Stimpy's Invention episode, which is like the final episode of season one or two of the show. Um, at the time, they had like a ton of Ren and Stimpy games because I think they were just trying to milk it for all of its worth due to its explosive popularity back then when it came on the scene through SNCC. Uh, but yep. we'll talk about those after our review of this particular game. Um, just a few more tidbits before we give our impressions is that uh, something that's unique about this game is that they work in tandem with each other. And we might end up seeing that a little bit more in terms of gameplay mechanics with the next Genesis game we uh, talk about. But essentially you can choose between either Ren or Stimpy to play and they each have their own set of moves. Uh, like I remember Stimpy has like this like rat tail towel snap that he can do. He can like um, throw Ren as a boomerang. He can use Ren as a helicopter. So it's really interesting to see like the different combinations of team moves they do together. And then when um, you know Ren takes his place, he has his own set as well. So it's it, it keeps things varied and interesting when you're going through these levels, which are fairly basic but also have plenty of traps, pitfalls, and enemies to like suck your health away too. The average time to beat is about 25 to 45 minutes. So even if you sit down and do this in one session, it's not gonna take too much time unless you get stuck on a level. And yeah, I think it has a pretty, pretty faithful art style to the show. Uh, I like the music. It, it's a little bit like tinny sounding, but I love hearing that uh, Ren and Stippy theme song on the main title screen. That's very yeah. similar to like the credits of the show. So uh, what are your thoughts are on this game, guys? Well, I have the cartridge with me. Ooh, so cool. <laughs> Get a close-up of that sucker. <laughs> Ooh, there it is. Nice. So yeah, Love so it. this game was awesome. I think out of all the plethora of Red and Stimpy games, this is probably the best one. Hmm. Uh, I love the intro with the log. Like just little yeah. details like that. It was like fan service but it was like it was awesome uh this game is very vibrant and the mm -hmm. the graphics are awesome they're mm -hmm. just like they they nailed it they nailed the look of it the feel of it uh i found myself using ren a lot more than stimpy mm -hmm. um which kind of sucks i don't know I, I i think it's it's cool that they that on the levels you have to use both but sometimes in these games and we'll talk, uh, especially with all real monsters, you tend to only use one because yeah. it's one that's like obviously better than the other. Uh, the freaking giraffe, like that jump scare. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's nightmare fuel, dude. They, they look like, like the mad giraffes from the canned episode of Rocco's Mar in Life that are like unleashed from Conglomo. It's yeah, wild. That's a good call. But just yeah. like all of it, like, why do you put a jump scare in a video game for kids? I don't know. But I just remember that was like terrifying as a kid. You would just go and then the giraffes would like right, go right over like the that. wall and try to get you. It just scared it's, you. They're but, hard to dodge too. Yeah, yeah. totally. But uh, I mean, overall, this game is, it's not exciting, but it's a fun game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it's mm. not like a top tier game, but it's a fun game. Like, yeah. it's a good time. Uh, so I had an incredible disadvantage when I played these uh, because for, I, I I don't have them on console. I, I much rather play them on console mm -hmm. and my computer has a very, very limited space. So I had to use an emulator and play it on my phone. Nice. <laughs> and uh, that was a pain. 
Ooh. It was really, really tough playing this games on the phone uh, because of the, the the way the buttons are placed yeah. on the on the system on the on the phone. Some games it, don't translate well due to the touch controls. Uh, so, either way, I was still able to play it, and I really did like it. I was glad that this was the first one that I played, and I had no idea until the two of you had mentioned it, that you could even switch characters. I, I just stayed as Ren the entire time. And I, like uh, Max said, I loved the detail work that they put in there. I loved that they had Powder Toast Man who would fly Stimpy up to Ren or or the other yeah. character when, whenever you got too far away. And then he would, uh, oh, here to save the day. <laughs> everything to me. I love that he would fly backwards across the map screen uh, because that's what he did in the cartoon. Um, the gameplay overall was fine. Uh, there wasn't really anything that was super challenging. Uh, it, it was met with obstacles, of course, but they weren't an impossible feat. Uh, it was a challenge, but it wasn't awful. Uh, it, it was awful with the phone. Uh, but if it was, if you had the controller, it it would have been much more doable. Uh, the only thing I don't really care for is a couple of the missions were one of those. Okay, where do you go? Type of places. It's yeah. it's very open and it's a giant circle and you keep getting stuck. Um, but most of them were very linear, and I I prefer the linear and just uh, tried to do a little puzzle solving of how do you get from one place to the next as opposed to a giant scavenger hunt. Um, my favorite thing about the game is you can slap Stimpy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out uh, how to reach this one point of the game as uh, uh, there's got to be something I can do. What, what do these two buttons do? And I just slap Stimpy. What? Slap. Get, get some frustration slap. out. <laughs> slap, 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 slap. And then after having to do the mission where you um, release flatulence all over the place to get from one place to the next and Stimpy keeps getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah. I was really I was really happy to go back to slapping him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the game play mechanics are rather bonkers in how you navigate these characters through the levels. Like who would have thought to inflate both of them like balloons and then start squeaking out farts just to propel yourself. Like it's where awesome. are we? Yeah. It's amazing. It's I mean, yeah. it's different. Like that's what I like about every single level. It's, it's a different kind of gameplay and it's not repetitive, right. which especially during this uh, era, sometimes these games can be super repetitive with, with platforming, mm -hmm. but this game, although it's short, it's diverse and i mean that trippy mouth level where it's like that that's his it that's crazy like that's like totally red and stimpy art and like grotesque and stuff like that's why we watched that show right yeah and it was awesome to see that in a video game form yeah and that level the uh the one where they had inflated it reminded me of two things it reminded me of the underwater level from the teenage mutant ninja turtle game oh yeah mm -hmm. And it also reminded me of Super Mario World, where you would have to take the P and it would inflate Mario and you would just float to the end of the stage. Uh, those those two mixed together with the Ren and Stimpy sense of humor. Yeah. I also saw Super Mario World with the map where he had to go mm -hmm. to the yes, map. That was very like, much so. oh, they're totally stealing from Super Mario here. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a different cool. platform. They won't notice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it was a pretty fun game overall. I've, 
I there was a few frustrating areas, like particularly the the end of the city level. I kept getting stuck on where like you go down the hill and you have to like avoid the potholes. Um, but other than that, I enjoyed all the levels just fine. Mm. Like they didn't seem too difficult. They were somewhat challenging, but not frustrating. Yeah. Um, you can navigate your way pretty through pretty easily in one playthrough. So yeah. Um, what do you guys want to rate this then? I would give it a B, which for us is Splatisfactory. It's, it's slightly above average. It's the theming that sets it slightly above average. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an A, and not because. Not because it like borrows all different gameplay elements from other types of games that we all know and love, but I really like the little detailed touches to it. I love the graphics. I like the the areas that they chose. They kept things really diverse. It wasn't too challenging, but it wasn't too easy either. I like the uniqueness of the gameplay mechanics where you switch between Ren and Stimpy and they had their own movesets. Um, really love the Sega screen with the log d- dancing in the marching band. That was does just a great touch. And then the title screen music. So um, I'm going to have to bump it up to an A for that reason, which is, I think, Splat Slint. Yeah. I- I'm also going to give it an A as Splat Slint. Uh, similar to you, Brett, but just the attention to detail and the fan service, that alone just makes it mm-hmm. a step above, you know, kind of... Because there was a lot of... Um, franchise games around that time. There's a lot of Disney games. There was a lot of just, you know, cartoon games and stuff. And sometimes it just didn't feel like you were playing that IP. But this game, I felt like I was at game or uh, a Ren and Stimpy episode. So for yeah. that, that's why I'll give it an A. Yeah. Yeah. I think the faithfulness is what pushed it up a grade for me as well. Um, it, it really helps to have attention to detail with these games. Um, before we move on to our next game, I just want to mention any other Ren and Stimpy games that people may be uh, familiar with, or if they want to explore them further. Uh, there's also uh, the Ren and Stimpy show Space Cadet Adventures for the Game Boy, which was released in 1992. There was the Ren and Stimpy show Vidiots, which was released for the SNES in 1993. Uh, the Quest for the Shaven Yak, starring Ren Howick and Stimpy for the Game Gear <laughs> and Sega Master System in 1993. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have there... the one on Game Gear. Oh yeah. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> um, we can we can keep going on. Yeah. Okay. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> m- many of these aren't. Again, we mentioned before yeah. they were just trying to pump out as many as possible to see what you know stuck on the wall. Um, there's also Ren and Stimpy show Buckaroos for the SNES and NES that was released in 1993. Uh, Fire Dogs for the SNES in 94, and then Time Warp for the SS- yeah. SNES in 1994. So about six six additional games in total. That's ridiculous within the span of like two years to release totally. all those games. It's yeah. so unnecessary, and yeah. it's not like they were good. It was just I don't understand. Like I don't I I don't understand the the thought process of that. Like let's focus on one show and yeah. just put out mediocre games? I don't get well, it. Well, at the time, also, Nickelodeon had really hit its stride uh, because at that point, they didn't have any major successes. Uh, they were really struggling just to find a, a good, consistent, successful programming. And uh, with the Nicktoons and uh, their other live-action programs, they really had found super success, and they wanted to dive into other mediums yeah. to get kids' attention, and they went into toys. 
uh, and they really didn't do a lot with merchandising with their main characters that's which is why you had things like Gak and uh, all those other uh, the color writer and stuff like that and they wanted to go into the video game territory but they didn't really know how to go about it so it was just make something that's good enough and and do as much as you can and that it, it seemed to have worked for them because it made them a ton of money yeah I mean, from a marketing perspective, it helps, but I don't know yes. from an actual like gameplay perspective because most of these, I can't even get past the first level without being frustrated and turning it off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just don't get like, why didn't we get a Nickelodeon Doug game? Just one, right? right? Let's just get one. They they made a Disney's <laughs> Doug game called Doug's I, yeah. Big Adventure. But just yep. about to say that. Yep. They they they, they should have done merchandising yep. with that missed opportunity. I just think it's weird that in the title. It's Red or uh, yeah, Red Hoek and Stimpy. Like they put his last name. I don't know. I just it's yeah. kind of weird. I, I, to me, it's just weird. I don't know. It's, they kind of never. Yeah, go for it. They they kind of did that in the show too, where occasionally yep. they just name drop his last name, like Red Hoek. What are you doing, you idiot? Like, <laughs> okay, so you have a last name. Stimson is Stimson J Cat. What's your point? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what they were thinking behind that either. Probably just again, doing everything they can, they think would work for marketing. Uh, it's because so, it's on the title, but it's not on the title screen, but it's not on the cartridge. I'm looking at the cartridge. It's the render. <laughs> Actually, yeah. the the cartridge doesn't even have anything that says Stimpy's invention. It's oh, just really? On the to- it's just on the top of the ah. uh, cartridge, but it's not actually on the cover art. Oh, It just says strange. the Ren and Stimpy huh. show. Yeah. Weird. Well, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's a video game. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, did all three of us give our ratings for this? Yes. Okay, so it's B-A and A. Okay. Yes. Just checking. It was ba. 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 <laughs> um, moving on, we have video game number two, which is Our Real Monsters. Hey, let's go. Here I come. Look out. Become a master monster with Ickes, Oakley, and Crumb in Nickelodeon. Ah, real monsters. It's so much fun. It's scary. Scare your way through over 25 different monster levels with five bonus rounds. Switch monsters with three-way control or team up to perform triple monster moves. So look out for... Real Nickelodeon. Ah, real monsters. It was released on August 15th, 1995 for the SNES and Sega Genesis platforms. It was also a platforming video game uh, developed by Real-Time Associates and published by Viacom New Media. It's an action-adventure platformer, so to speak, and it features Ickes, Crumb, and Oblina completing Monster Academy assignments, typically to find an object of desire or scare a human. Uh, There's over 25 levels and five bonus sections set in multiple areas, such as the dump, the school, the post office, the museum, the mall, and Simon the Monster Hunter's house. Uh, players can switch freely between Ickes, Crumb, and Obelina in order to take advantage of their specific monster stats and powers. In addition to their unique team moves, Ickes jumps high and swings far, Obelina reaches tall platforms, and Crumb can see hidden and far-off areas of a given level. Players can also attack enemies by either throwing garbage at them or scaring them using monster manuals that are scattered throughout the level in limited supply and hard-to-reach areas. Uh, much prefer... 
the Genesis version, the SNES version, for the different sound effects, which is more rich due to the sound effect chip that Genesis had, uh, the music, smoother controls, and yeah. Uh, I think some of the sprites were slightly adjusted too, but um, I noticed some sound effects were different as well in between two because I did try both of them for the sake of this episode. The average time to beat uh, Real Monsters takes about one and a half to two hours depending on your skill level. And from the impressions I got from the gameplay is that I think this might be one of my favorite of the bunch that we reviewed today. Um, I never technically beat the game. I didn't as a kid. I did not now. I tried my best to get as far as I could. I'd always get stuck on that damn post office level where you had to like uh, flip switches to like get the packages to fall on the mail lady. But uh, from what I've seen, all the later levels are actually pretty cool and fun looking through Let's Plays on YouTube. Uh, the museum level looks pretty fun because you're like hanging from bones and jumping around and collecting like skulls and stuff. And the mall, you just kind of wail on different people, and I think you have to fight a security guard there. Um, so there's there's a lot of diversity in the locations. Most of them I don't even recognize from the show itself, but you know, it, it's done in a faithful style that you wouldn't know the wiser whether you've seen a ton of auto monsters or not. Um, same with the sprite work. I think the sprites and the animation look great, faithful to the characters. Really love their like scare animations, especially when like Ickis grows big, uh, Oblina like turns herself inside out into this weird like shark thing or ear thing. And then Crumb like extends his mouth with like a bunch of tongues. Uh, so that's pretty, that's pretty fun to see. Um, one, one of the things that bothered me about this game, even though I do enjoy it a lot is the, the like platform detection isn't quite there or like the hit detection because sometimes when I try to do like the, the up B move to like use Oblina to get up to a higher platform, she's like, eh, eh, doesn't quite line up even though you think you're lining it up. And yeah. that, that really does waste a lot of time and build a little bit of frustration for me. Um, same when like you think you're going to cross a chasm with Ickis's like swing move, but you don't quite make it and you have to keep doing it over and over again, or just, you know, leave the secret item behind as a result. But, um, you know, I think it's pretty fun. I enjoy the boss battles. They're not too difficult, uh, but they're also interesting, aside from the post office one, that is. And um, I like the varieties of the levels. The the heads-up display that's, like, at the top of the screen is pretty easy to read. So, yeah. Well, my impression, because I want to give mine before Max, because, Max, I guarantee you, you're going to have more to say than I will. <laughs> uh, I hated playing this one. Ooh. <laughs> And the simple reason is because I could not figure out how to do special moves to be able to use all three characters. Mm. Uh, because again, I'm using this on my phone. And uh, I did not know that when you play this on the Super Nintendo, there is a button designated to that. Whereas on the Sega Genesis, right, it's, it's a, combination. a combination. And I could not get it to function right. And of course, I reached a point in the very first level where you have to do a special move to further advance, and I was stuck, and I just could not get it. So, uh, up to that point, I liked the layout, I liked the characters, I liked everything that you had pointed out. The only real nitpick I had was I didn't like that some of the enemies were so tiny and so fast, especially whenever you're playing on a smaller screen mm -hmm. with so many things that are moving, especially little things in the, in the background that are moving, it, it can be difficult to tell what's an enemy and what's not. And what would have really been helpful is at some point, something in the background 
telling you what button combinations to push to advance to the next spot that you need. Because uh, a lot of Mario games and platform games, they would tell you that in the very first level uh, with a simple do this. I mean, even on Super Mario World, you had the option to push one thing and it would give you a little text box and, and tell you this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And that would have been incredibly helpful for somebody who has never played this game until this week uh, <laughs> on, on a phone with one less button than the Super Nintendo. Uh, I want to play it again because it looks like it would be a lot of fun. And I love that mechanic of, of three different characters and you're able to switch between the three and each one have their own special skill to meet certain obstacles. But I just, I couldn't get it to work uh, using my phone, unfortunately. Uh, I'm, I would like to get it for the Genesis and actually play it uh, the, the way it was designed to play. But yeah. as, but as, of, as of now, I hated playing it on what I was playing. So I'm going to defer my rating to the two of you because I don't really have an accurate rating for it. That's fair. Yeah, definitely having the proper controls or at least something, you know, close to it, like maybe a PlayStation 4 controller can mm -hmm. definitely help with the experience because uh, you can re remap the buttons and kind of make it work. Because um, I know Genesis controllers only have three buttons and a start button and, you yep. know, ours these days have a lot more than that yeah um yeah yeah i think playing on a phone will definitely make it more difficult and harder oh, to like yeah. get get the original <laughs> experience um and even the version too because i don't know i don't know what max has to say particularly about the SNES version but i'd love to hear it uh because when i played the SNES version i did i, I couldn't get past the the damn do guard dog boss because <laughs> every time i tried to scare it or throw garbage at it like i did no problem in the genesis version it, it had this like weird glitching effect where like it would tear me apart. I usually play as Ickis. I'd try to jump up to get away from it. And then I landed right in his mouth as he slided right under me. So I'm like, what the hell is going on here? How can I beat you if you're just going to destroy me unfairly? Yeah. <laughs> so that I can't really give a rating for the SNS version, but the Genesis I thought was great. Handled well, you know, play that version if you can. Yeah. So I grew up playing the SNES version. So to be honest, I didn't even realize it was on Sega. So I still have the cartridge. <laughs> um, I, I got the cartridge later on. So I grew up playing it at my cousin Chris's house. Um, my cousin is uh, one of our co-hosts on Radio Retro. So I remember he had it. And uh, I remember just like playing it. And it was hard. That's what I remember. Like this, out of all the games, this is the most nostalgic to me. But I just remember this game was freaking hard. Yep. And uh, going back into it as an adult, uh, it's not as fun or great as I remember it, to be honest. Uh, it's there's It drags a little bit because you go to the dump a lot. Mm -hmm. And, to, you know, Brett, you were mentioning all the different kind of levels, but you have to go to the dump to get to those different uh, areas. Yeah, like in, be in between the real world levels, you have to keep going back to the dump to get your assignment from mm -hmm. the ground level. I think that's what the idea was behind it. But man, does it get frustrating going through like 20 different iterations of the dump and rats throwing little pellets at you and ducks squirting bubbles at you and like yeah. all this stuff you just don't want to deal with. <laughs> so it gets repetitive where we were just talking about the Ren and Stimpy uh, game not being as repetitive. So you know, playing as an adult, you're just like, all right, come on, you know? And you mentioned it's like an hour and a half to two hours. 
this game doesn't have a password or save system. So if you wanted Ooh. to beat the game, you had to have it. You had to do it in one sitting. Um, the teamwork aspect is great. You basically use Ickis. I like how you use like a Blina. It's kind of like a um, like a like ladder a slingshot. Yeah, yeah, ladder. And then you could also hit Crumb's eye, kind of like a golf ball. And yeah. you use her as a club. So that some of that is a, a lot of fun. Again, the animation is great. I felt like I was playing a cartoon. I was playing like, I felt like I was playing one of the episodes. Um, yeah, I mean, the scare feature, I always loved that as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. I remember just like <laughs> spamming that button and using Oh, no. It. <laughs> using <laughs> up all your monster <laughs> manuals before the boss. <laughs> but I just remember like, hey, this is effective and this is really cool. And then, you know, being a kid, you just don't get you know at least when i was playing i was like four or five you know i didn't really get it but i just remember this game being hard and i didn't advance too much but this game's super nostalgic and the fact that we have an all real monsters game is awesome because i felt like this franchise this show like didn't get as much love as i think it deserves it's kind of underrated in my opinion so it was one of my favorites and just to be able to play a video game based off of a show that I love is just awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself, Max. I mean, I definitely feel our monsters deserves more love, but it kind of fell in the shadow of uh, the original three Nicktoons and Rocco's Modern Life that was trailing close behind too. For sure. And uh, honorable mention going along with this, there is, it's very, very rare, but there is an, our real monsters arcade game. Ooh. Uh, And it's, essentially like the um, test your strength where you uh, hit this mallet and, or you take a mallet and hit this pad and, and it shoots this thing up. It's essentially that, but it's, wow. it's a toilet and, uh, <laughs> and you have to use a plunger and push down and really? use the air to shoot this ball up to the top. Um, and uh, I, I will put an image of it within the video footage but it's a really rare item to even find that's uh, awesome i had no idea very cool and bizarre like plunging Ooh. a toilet at chuck e cheese's who would have thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right um so with that out of the way what do we what do we want to rate our real monsters for both snes and genesis well i can only save for snes so i think Going into it as a kid, I probably w- would have said an A, but as an adult, I don't know. It's not quite a C, but it's not quite a B. So it's somewhere in between splat, uh, what is it? Splat average or splat verge? Yeah, splat verge. Splat verge. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Splat verge, like average splat. Gotcha. You know, it's just splat with like a bunch of words that describe it. Yeah. So yeah, splat verge and splat splatisfactory. Okay, that's fair. Um, I was going to give this an A because I'm a huge Aureal Monsters fan and I really love the art style and the animation, but it still bugs me that I can't beat this damn game even today. So, you know, I got to knock it down to a B. It's going to be a Splash Factory. And I wish they had less dump levels and just more like real world levels. Or at, at the very least, instead of exploring like these heaps of trash show us like more of the monster Academy or like going yeah. to Ickes and Chrome Oblina's dorm or like going to the Grumbles room, anything like that. Just something a little more faithful to the show uh, would have been nice. 
Oh, I, I don't have uh, a rating because I didn't really get to play it uh, because I, that one spot where I got stuck. Uh, but I would hazard a guess uh, seeing um, from what you all have told me and, and knowing my taste, more than likely it would be a Splatisfactory once I knew how to play it and uh, get it to where I could enjoy it more. <laughs> so I'm going to hypothesize that my guess, would my, my rating would be uh, Splatus Factory. Nice. Sounds good. So let's pop out our real monsters and head on over to SNES with these next two games. Uh, starting off with Rocco's Modern Life, Spunky's Dangerous Day. Introducing a new video game from Nickelodeon. It's like you have a pet. This dog, small dog, but real dumb. Right, Spunky. And he's always getting into trouble and saving him is up to you. Only you're this wallaby. Rocco, yeah. And there's all kinds of weird creatures. No, nasty neighbors, flying clothespins, evil garbage trucks, big slimy pools you can float Spunky over like a balloon to save him, and your Rocco's Modern Life for your Super Nintendo Entertainment System from Viacom New Media. He's your dog, and he's your problem. Uh, it was released on April 1st, 1994 for the SNES. And no, it was not an April Fool's Day joke. <laughs> What? It's an April Fool's game, that's for sure. Oh, gee. Hey, hey slow, slow down. We haven't gotten that far yet. I got to say the basic info. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, so anyways, uh, <laughs> it was developed and published by Viacom New Media as well. Uh, it was a puzzle platformer with escort mission mechanics where you guide Spunky around various levels that are loosely inspired by episodes of season one of Rocco's Modern Life, such as Trash and... Trash of Madness, Sand in Your Navel, uh, Unbound Slowed, and they actually had an original one called Ice Cream, which basically you're just hanging around the backyard and then go into uh, Rocco's house. Uh, it was developed before the show's pilot, so it's worth noting that because it took 12 months of development to make, and I think it was in tandem with the development of the first season of Rocco's Modern Life, so like Joe Murray and Nickelodeon just kind of handed them some model sheets and you know, it's based on concepts that weren't fully developed past the Trash O' Madness pilot. And they just said, here, make some of this. Good luck. You're on your own. And that's why the theme song is considerably different than like the Rocco's Modern Life theme song you all know and love. So, you know, the game was, it's also worth noting that the game was exclusively released in North America, which the other ones had international releases, such as in Europe, which I think is interesting. Maybe they didn't have a lot of faith in it to begin with. Um, and it takes about an hour, hour and a half uh, to be if you're patient with it. And boy, do you need a lot of patience because uh, when I played this, I could barely get to the second level. I was just like, okay, come on, Spunky, let's go. Oh, I got to move a trap over here. Let's go. Do I, I got to like pick you up to turn you over here? Oh my gosh. He, he's a little, I love Spunky. He's a very cute dog. I love him in the show, but he's just a little too bit helpless and dim-witted in this game to make it worth my time. And, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of escort missions in general in video games. Like the only thing I can tolerate is like, uh, I think escorting Ashley as Leon from Resident Evil 4 and also doing various escort missions slash fetch quests in a indie game series called Death's Bank. 
Uh, but I just, I, I don't like it. It really sucks the fun out of like moving around platforms for me, even, even solving the puzzles. It feels like it's like trying to cram mechanics of this PC game called the incredible machine into it, where you have to like set up a bunch of contraptions to like move spunky here and there. And like a Rube Goldberg machine, that's the size of a level or looks like a level and just hope to God that like all these different uh, characters who are like baddies from the show, like the one-eyed pelican or like Earl the dog from Trash of Madness don't eat him in the process. What I find interesting is that Rocco is technically immune in this game. Like he can get hit, but he can't die. But Spunky has a health meter using this little like bone in the top center of the HUD. So every time he gets hit by like either going underwater or by an enemy, that depletes. And he actually replenishes it by eating like beating hearts. It's very strange and kind of grotesque. And I don't even know why it's in there, but that's what he does to replenish his health. Like they're litter throughout the level. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that Indiana Jones thing where like the temple guy does the Kalimon thing and takes the heart out and it's like pulsating in his hand. We'll just take that out of his hand and put it in like in the sand of a beach and Spunky's just like <laughs> Spunky's doggy treats. Yeah, no. Ugh. Nick Day. Brought to you by Spunky's Doggy Tree. Yeah, for me, oh man, escort missions, they suck. So oh, to do yeah. an entire game of it, that's a big yikes. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, I didn't like this game. I didn't own it. Again, my, my cousin, my cousin was like, he had all the games, man. I didn't need to buy it because I knew my cousin Chris had it. So Unlimited I, allowance, huh? <laughs> I, well, yeah. Uh, so I just remembered like not liking it as a kid. I remember it was just like too hard and it wasn't like fun and revisiting it. It's like, it's the same. It's I, escort missions suck. Like whenever you have to do it in a game, you're never excited. You're like, yes, escort missions. All right. No, never. Like, <laughs> not like, with more escort missions. <laughs> yeah. So to do an entire game of that, it's like, Ugh. oh man, you know, but um, I will say the, the sprites are great. I love the yes. animation where you're picking up Spunky and he's like licking your face. Yeah, it's oh, very that's, cute. That's, that's cute. Okay. I will say that like, because I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, it's easy to be critical about this game, but how would you make a good Rocco game? And I was like, you know what? I, I think it's hard because Rocco isn't a like violent character. So he's not like going to be punching stuff yeah. or fighting stuff. Really, the show is about how dangerous the world is and how Rocco is so innocent and how he, you know, interacts with this kind of dangerous and kind of, you know, skewed world. So I was like, well, how, how does that become a game? I was like, nah, you kind of have to shelf that. A better game would be like a really... Uh, a really big man game right like right do, do, do a big man game like that would be cool like expand that universe and you know introduce some characters and villains and stuff like that and have some you know rocco you know cameos or like that sounds cool mm -hmm. but a rocco game i don't know i was just like thinking about it i was like it's it's just hard like that is a hard concept to do yeah, own, especially since most of the episodes are very sliced of life and self-contained, so they don't really have any like narrative stringing through the whole series. It's just like, oh, Rocco's going to go skiing today. Let's see what hijinks and mishaps he encounters, or let's go hiking over here and you know see the same thing, rinse and repeat. Um, I would say if a Rocco game were to exist, aside from the really, really big man, 
um, try to try to go the point and click adventure route because at least you can follow him through certain things, pick up certain items, and use them to solve certain puzzles without having like all these random things just trying to kill you or waiting waiting for your dog to like cross the street or fetch a frisbee. Right. <laughs> or so like, I was thinking like uh like it'd be fun like if you were to do levels based off of the episodes that episode where he's. Uh, riding a dead horse, remember? <laughs> like the good, that bad would in be the fun. wallaby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would be fun. Like you know, you're trying to avoid obstacles and stuff, and he's on oh, yeah. the dead horse. Like okay, M- maybe as like a Nicktoons cart racer skin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah. Right, well, I I have an idea, but I'll, I'll get to the idea in a minute. Okay. But uh, but no, I I agree with Max. Escort missions are uh, they're they're an abomination to the history of video games. I, I <laughs> let's let's all say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Escort, Escort missions, missions they suck. <laughs> but oh man, it, it's it's awful, and I'm I couldn't even get Spunky past the first puddle of water. I, I could not figure out how I'm supposed to get him from one place to the other. Uh, at first, I thought this this punch. You, you have to you have to use like this little inflatable thing. Like you have to yes. get Rocco onto it, and then it like floats back, and then you float with him. But yeah, and, a lot. And, and I got that. A lot of the puzzles aren't a, explanatory. It's very the, difficult to figure out. But there's a little puddle before you get to the inflatable part because oh. i went through it as rocco and then came back and spunky was still there it's like you because i just got done playing the are the all real monsters and the red and stimpy and they were with you the entire time it's like all right well i guess nickelodeon's going with a particular theme here i got to the end where's spunky <laughs> spunky's dying he's drowning where's where's spunky <laughs> and i go back and there's this little puddle like, are you stupid dog did you just keep going into this thing over and over Mm-hmm. yes all right well how do i get you out and and of course rocco has this punch and like max i was thinking this isn't a punch he's not punching he's there's there's got to be i wonder if you're supposed to throw spunky pick him up and throw him onto a platform maybe uh pick him up lick 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 puts him down let me try this again picked him up lick 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 put him down what's the point of the lick 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 it does nothing <laughs> Idle animation, kind of like how Sonic taps his foot when you're waiting for him yeah. to move. And uh, I was really trying to figure out how to get this past. And of course, th- there is one little place where you're supposed to jump. And uh, you've got to do it right when he gets to you to keep moving forward. And some of the stuff that you you have to interact with blends so well with the background uh, or, or even the foreground graphics that you can't tell what stuff you can interact with and what you can't interact with. Uh, some of the platforms you can because they're a little lighter, but for the most part, most of them, they just look like background. Uh, what are you supposed to mess with? It's, it's very, very cryptic. And um, I, just, I do not like it, Sam, I am. Uh, <laughs> but my idea of a game for Rocco because we had Sim Theme Park or Sim City on uh, on Super Nintendo, you could do the amusement park episode of uh, Rocco. Carnival knowledge, like, yes, where you'd have like the elevator to heck, uh... you know, make make your own uh, horrible theme park, and like um, 
just make it successful. I mean, of course, that later became Sim Theme Park, and they eventually did that. But at the time, all we had was Sim City on Super Nintendo, and that would have been a, a fun thing to to do. I mean, we already had Roller Coaster Tycoon right. and things like that at the time, and the technology was working well for the Super Nintendo. So that would have been that would have been yeah, fun. I like that. I would have played yeah. that. I thought you were going to go the SimCity route and say, like, build your own O-Town and, like, put all these different buildings here mm-hmm. and see how, like, the little characters interact. That would be interesting. Build build the Suckomatic and uh, yeah. watch Heifer with Backing it. people up, like Age of Empires or something. <laughs> oh, that's like the disasters in uh, SimCity, right? You have, like, Tornado, yeah. you have the Suckomatic. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, that sounds so fun. Get on it, uh, anyone who has game programming experience and is listening to our podcast. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, so what, what do we want to give for our rating for Rocco's Modern Life, Spunky's Dangerous Day? Splatful. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I'd get it a splatverage, a C. The only reason why I'm giving it a C and not a D is because of the sprites and it, mm, it looked yeah. great. I, I don't think we mentioned that, but the, the actual game looks great. It looks like the cartoon, which is fantastic because... You mentioned it, Brett, but it it's important to, you know, reiterate, but the fact that there was no cartoons that were released by the time they, they were starting this, they were just going off of like, you know, concept art and stuff. So it looks great, you know, and it and it kind of felt like a a Rocco's cartoon a little bit, but that that's a very difficult thing to accomplish. Yeah, I, I agree. I enjoyed the artwork. Some of it didn't really feel in place, particularly the original level ice cream. They were just kind of, you know, going off of what they had, what little they had, which I applaud them for yeah. getting this far with. Cause some of the sprites do look great. Some of them are faithful to the characters in the show, especially like Earl and the trash of badness, um, uh, like garbage truck. That was, that was pretty frightening and good. And like the sock enemies and unbalanced load, that was, that was faithful like to a T. Um, but I'm going to have to give it, I'm like stuck between a Splatverge and a Splatful because I really did not have fun playing this game. I didn't have the patience to wait for Spunky. I hated figuring out all the traps. I like puzzle games once in a while, but I don't like how clunky this felt. And it gave me a lot of anxiety if like he accidentally fell off and I had to start all over again to guide him through this gauntlet of, of random obstacles that were just different themes based on the level. Um, I think, I think it helps that there's also a password system for this game. As you noted in my notes, I gave you cheat codes in case you wanted to play it. <laughs> um, so you can skip ahead to other levels if you just weren't having any of it and you wanted to see what the other ones would play like. So I do give it something for that. So I think, I mean, I was le- leaning towards a splatful, but I'm going to bump it up to a splatverage because I think based on the history of the game, based on the the artwork and based on the fact that there are some workarounds if you get too frustrated you can you can somehow get through the game <laughs> but you need a lot of patience so splat fridge all right uh, moving right along to our fourth game we have guts for the SNES hey you Huh? Suit up, strap in, and ask yourself, do you have it? Have what? Nickelodeon Guts, now for your Super Nintendo Entertainment System. This is serious, realistic sports action, just like the show, only now you're in total control. Compete against the clock or challenge a friend as you take on seven of Guts' toughest events, including the awesome Agro Crag. 
Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Best out of three. <laughs> Nickelodeon Guts, only on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Also from Nickelodeon, Rocco's Modern Life, the game. Uh, this. Do you have it? Guts. Who's who's that character that's uh, playing aerial lacrosse behind you, Alex? Do you know? That let's see if there's a name on it. I do not see a name. It's nope. just random random kid number one. <laughs> well, I'm I, I'm going to call it uh, Gakoid. There you go. Because the one I had was red, and it was uh, Slimester. Ah, <laughs> nice touch. So Guts for the SNES was released on November 11th, 1994, and it's uh, also developed by Viacom New Media. Apparently, they just were the umbrella company for all these games coming out. Uh, it was an action platformer sports game with multiplayer options, so you can play either like a one-player mode, which was considered training, where you can choose your events to go through leading up to the aggro crag, or you can compete with someone else on co couch co-op. Uh, there are no AI opponents in one-player mode, so you're pretty much just competing against yourself and seeing what score you got. Uh, you can have the option to pick your own team color, just like in the show. Uh, there's blue, red, and purple, as well as a myriad of characters that are in the Guts logo, which I don't know if it really matters. I don't know if their stats or like height, age matters. I think it's just for the sake of being faithful to the show. Yeah. Um, you know, you must get 700 points to beat the game on the gut scoreboard to advance to the aggro crag and complete the game. And if you win, you obviously get a glowing piece of the Rackle Rock, which I have a really badass screenshot of uh, that's going to be posted here. Yeah. The events include uh, slam dunk, basic training, attack, tornado run, spirals, and of course the aggro crag at the end of it. Uh, the average time to beat this game... Uh, I mean, according to sources on the internet, it's 15 to 30 minutes, but it really depends on how you handle the controls yeah. and your response time with them. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna foreshadow here. If you're inept at the controls like me, you're gonna have to triple that time if you even get past like the first couple of events. So, um, my impressions of this gameplay. You're not going to like this, but <laughs> this game. <laughs> it was a little frightening from where I was, Mike, too. I don't care if I'm censored and this is a clean podcast. I need to get that out. <laughs> this game. He's just a little scary. <laughs> uh, so so I don't I don't like the design of this. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Guts growing up, like the TV show, but I enjoyed it well enough. Like that and Legends were typically on back-to-back, -back, and I just watched mm. both of them in one go. Um, I do like the varied obstacles that we see on the show, but I don't think the developers really fully grasped like the, the, the concept behind the design of these levels based off of the obstacles that were shown in this show because a lot of them feel like just very linear mazes, like particularly with the, the physical arena and the, what is it called? The tornado run, they feel very similar to each other where it's just a bunch of like hanging pipes and ropes that you have to try and reach and then a lot of like ramps that you have to slide down and like pools that have water spurting out of it. It's, it's, it's not, it's not as exciting as you would want it to be. And I think a lot of that also has to do in addition to the level design is that just the physics feel very clunky and heavy. It's hard to control these characters. It's hard to make them jump and like latch on to like the things you're trying to reach. And there's very, very often times that if you don't get a, enough momentum or if you have enough stamina built up in your little like guts meter over here on the screen uh you're not going to be able to make a chasm and you're going to have to fall down and start all over again um so when it comes to like basic training and tornado run that kind of sucks 
And for slam dunk attack and spirals, it's essentially just like one of those aerial bridges where you jump down using like the arrow buttons and then press like A or B uh, to like shoot the, the sport ball into the goal. And if you, if you know how to do that well and you got the timing well, great, more power to you. You can actually play this game. But for me, all three playthroughs that I attempted on this, I couldn't get a single ball into the darn goal. So, man, this was just frustrating. And it stinks that you can't even, like, practice the aggro crack, too. That's kind of locked behind completing all the other levels. So it's just... It's frustrating. It kind of dashes my childhood dreams of like wanting to climb the aggro crag and just lift that <laughs> glowing piece of radical rock above my head. So I can't, I, I can't in good faith give this like any glowing review in the slightest, except for the cool sprite of the, the guts rock. Yeah, this game is almost unplayable. It's that bad. Like it's super hard because of the controls. I'm actually impressed that you got to the aggro crag because I couldn't even get to 700 points. Like, oh, <laughs> just barely, just barely. I don't, I don't think it, it was painful. You know, I, I remember. I don't know how or why, but I remember I did play it as a kid, but I remember not liking it, obviously. And then I played it now, and I was like, nah, like. I'm not gonna spend much time into it. I will say that the intro is awesome. Like. Oh yeah! And like, do you have it? God, it was like, all right. Like, I was so pumped, and then you get to the game, and you're like, oh, what a letdown. Uh, it's cool that Mo's in the background. That's cool. Yep. That's like that a helps. little touch, you know. That's cool. Uh, I thought it was weird that you know they showed the the weight and height of every kid. It's like five four, 105 pounds. I'm like, that's weird. Like, do do you need to do that? No. Like, we don't need to know this 12 year olds. You know, especially <laughs> since they don't give you any clear advantages or disadvantages in no. overcoming the obstacles. Like, what's the point? It's like, so it, it would make more. It would make more sense if they just said, like, "Oh, this is Burning Brian Ingles. He's like, you know, he loves soccer, or like, you know, so, something basic, but that has more meaning to the character." So you're like, "Yeah, I'm rooting for Brian when I'm playing him through like the obstacle course or something." Right. And what's kind of disappointing is that, I mean, it's 1994 when this came out. Like, the SNES mm. has been out for a while at this point. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, mm -hmm. this this game is just not good. You know, it's like, it's not like, because, you know, early on in any console, you know, lifespan, you're like, all right, they're still trying to figure it out. But it's like the middle. And by 94, we had some really good SNES games. Um, so to, for the fact that this came out, you're just like, yikes. Uh, also... The kids doing uh, front flips like that's that's unheard of. Like I never saw that. Were they like, part Power Ranger? <laughs> I was like, I've never seen that in a guts episode. That's wild. And you know, it's like it's so clunky too because they do like a freaking front flip and then they're like jumping. It's just not fluid, and um, yeah. it's just not a good game. Alex, your thoughts? He has it. Oh, <laughs> do you have it? He has it. He I has do have guts. it. And I am actually going to go the complete opposite direction from the two Whoa. of you. Wow. I, <laughs> and, and that's that's not to be first. That's just, no, I, I really enjoy the game. That's perfectly fine. I'd love uh, to hear I do, it. I, I do agree that the game is, it's not good. But I do enjoy it. It's one of those guilty pleasure games um, just because I see it as a challenge. Uh, 
which is why I enjoy it. I, I do like a challenge, but I don't like the, oh, this is impossible, or let me just mess with this stupid dog and watch it drown in a <laughs> puddle of water. <laughs> I don't like the fact that it's pretty much just two layouts. Uh, because the the basketball shooting uh, is pretty much the same on two separate yeah. levels in the football. And then the free run, essentially, going through an obstacle course is pretty much the same three times. Uh, even though the aggro crag is slightly different, you're still pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and and it's that's, that's all there is to it. Uh, I, I do have to mention real quick that there is one. I think it's for attack where, like, it's going from left to right and you have a character on a bungee cord and he's like slapping baseballs off one of the Velcro walls. Mm. Um, yes. But that doesn't really add too much to the overall game experience. So I, I don't really care for that. I do like the layout of it. It really feels like, I shouldn't say it looks like a guts episode yeah, it does. Uh, because it, you've got the aggro crag in the back. You've got the, the theming of it all. Uh, I liked that it, as Max said, I liked that it had Mo. And the voice had her accent also, right. which was cool. Um, the The buttons were tough. The, the combination was tough. But I saw this as, okay, there's got to be a way to do this. It, it's not just your standard basketball shooting. You, there, it's guts. Guts was always extreme. Guts had a special way to do things. So there's got to be something I'm missing. Because when you go to jump off the platform, you've got to push down to build up your power and let go. And of course, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, build up your power and shoot. There's one more thing you've got to do, which is as your character comes down after you shoot, you've got to push the down button again to build power to jump back up, which is like, okay, that, that kind of makes sense because you have to do that. You're using a bungee cord. You got to build up power, build it back up and come back. And I got really good at that. Hmm. And of course, to record the episode, I was playing this on my phone. And <laughs> oh boy. That's what I felt your, your guys issue. Yeah. But whenever I played on the actual super Nintendo, I, I, I'm pretty good at it. Uh, I I'm able to get to the aggro crag pretty easily. Um, uh, playing on my phone, I just, just missed having the amount of points to get through uh, because it, it's, oh gosh, it's terrible doing the, the obstacle missions with the, uh, with the phone uh, because you have to push left or right and jump at, at very, very specific points. Yeah. And of course, it's the same way whenever you play it on any console. Anyway. Yeah. They, you they, have to be at a certain point in order to make certain jumps. And, and you have to push a specific jump per area. And uh, to do any climbing, you've got to be spot on with the pole or the rope or else you're going to completely miss and fall. And heaven forbid you push the down button <laughs> Just slightly, because it's not just a slide down. It's a it's a Batman on the bat pole yeah. slide straight down till almost you're off. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I was not a fan with the tight amount of precision that was that was required for these um, certain obstacles with the button pressing. Yeah. Like, I understand it's it's good if you're able to like get a hang of the rhythm for like the aerial obstacles and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I was just fumbling everywhere, and I was just trying my best to like. <sighs> okay, let's do this again. I'm going to take my time and get through this. And I'm like, oh, it, it really hampers the experience if you don't get that down or like have that initial experience on the SNES. 
I was going to say, like, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that this game is made for multiplayer. Like, mm -hmm. you have to do training. And I think that's where it kind of misses the mark a little bit because if you're doing a one-player, you're just doing the training mode. And I and it's mm. cool that it's, like, you know, two players and stuff, but it's, like, you know, it, in order to get the full effect, you have to have somebody else play with you. I don't know. It's mm. just... Especially as a kid, you know, that's that's hard sometimes, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and organizing someone to come over and stuff. And, you know, sometimes you just want to wake up on a Saturday morning and just play. And, uh, you know, training mode. <laughs> Not to mention trying to convince them to play right. the game. Come to over begin and play with, Guts. Right? <laughs> Man, I'll stick with my Sonic. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of wish that we got to see, like, the other two team members like competing against you maybe that would have been a motivator to like stick through it and get through some of the obstacles because in one player mode it's just you and like the score that it takes track of yeah. like i i felt like you know it, gripes aside from the gameplay mechanics that i personally had i wish there was just something more to like hype me up for than just like the theme song because i felt it was lacking that kind of energy that was present in the tv show mm -hmm. where it's like yeah let's do it all right michael miley's psychotic i'm with him <laughs> speaking of missing i miss michael malley in this game yeah where is he, 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 he it, that, that that's a cardinal sin to this game you, he's the yin to mo's yang yeah. We got the cargo net, then the rings, and they're gonna come down this fire pole right here into the elastic jungle and up the wall climb, and then down in the free fall. Oh, this feels good. I'm gonna take a little nap. Mo, talk to me. Psycho Michael, stunt guy. I, I just, I wonder how many kids, you know, got this on a weekend, you know, rented it, and was just like, this, this is the one game, you know. They're like, oh, it's guts. I love the show. I love Nickelodeon. You know, I love Super Nintendo. And then you're like, well, you're stuck with it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, stuck with it for yeah, the weekend. All right. Well, mm. that's those are the games where it's like, well, I'm going to get really good at it because this is all I got to play. Mm. So, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Max. Although I don't know. I don't know if I would stick with this even today. I just struggled. But uh, without belaboring it too much, let's give our ratings for Guts for the SNES. Uh, what do you guys give it? I'm giving it a Splatful. I, I give it Splatisfactory. I really do enjoy the game, uh, even, for, even for all its frustrations. But I also see it as a challenge, and I like making myself get better at games, especially tough ones. That's fair. And if you can get a hang of the controls, I, I can imagine you'd learn to love it. Um, I'm... <laughs> I, I can't in good conscience give this anything higher than a splat splatastrophe. So, <laughs> F this game. <laughs> Take a nap. And and going into the next one, this is the only one I did not get the chance to play. So oh. I, I've got no, no input on the next one. So it is completely up to the two of you. Okay. I mean, I got it queued up on my uh, PC if you want to do this little screen sharing <laughs> after. <laughs> but anyways. We'll see, we'll see what we got. Okay, um, so our fifth and final game for this 90s video game playthrough of Nickelodeon games, we have Rugrats, The Search for Reptar, which is for the PlayStation 1. Here we go, kids! Terrence Turtle is my name! Turtle dancing, that's my game! Come on, kids! Everybody do the turtle dance! Not having a good time? <laughs> Play the Rugrats video game instead, with characters like Tommy, Chucky, even Angelica. 
Rugrats Search for Reptar. It's a 3D adventure, and it's only on PlayStation. PlayStation. It was released on October 31st, 1988, and developed by Enspace and published by THQ, which you may know from some other Nickelodeon games such as Tack and the Power Juju. At least that's the one that immediately comes to mind for me. Uh, it was an adventure puzzle game, and it features Tommy, Chucky, Phil, Lil, and Angelica roaming around the Pickles house, competing very completing various missions to earn 12 puzzle pieces to find the elusive Reptar as a result. Missions range from timed races, um, keep away games, mini golf, um, and everything else that you can possibly think of for objectives. Like a lot of them draw upon levels that are actually based on the first two seasons of Rugrats, which I found quite delightful. Uh, you have Chucky's glasses, you have Ice Cream Mountain, Mirrorland, Grandpa's Teeth, Toy Palace, Let There Be Light, Incident in Isle 7, The Seven Voyages of Cynthia, No More Cookies, Touchdown Tommy, Visitors from Outer Space, Circus Angelicus, The Mysterious Mr. Fiend, Gold Rush, and Reptar 2010. But there's a lot of levels. It's around like 25, 30 levels. Um, few of them training, most of them main story. They're segmented by easy, medium, and hard difficulty. And you can approach them in any order too. So if you're feeling kind of gung-ho and you want to do a hard level right off the bat, you can go straight to Toy Palace. Or if you just want to take things slow and ramp up, you can go to like Ice Cream Mountain, which is easy. And they're all designated by a specific item inside the Pickles House World Hub too, such as like golf clubs or like a stuffed animal or like a flashlight so yeah i mean there, there's a lot of great levels that draw inspiration from the tv show i, I like the open-endedness of it um it is it is one player so anyone who wants to hang out with you when you play this game they're just gonna have to watch and take turns unfortunately uh, the demographic is intended to be like ages 7 to 12, so you got some like elementary to middle school, um, you know, people playing this game that would enjoy it the most. And the average time to beat the game is about one to one and a half hours for the main story, and um, I would add like another half hour for the bonus post game levels, such as um, I think Mirrorland is one of the post game levels, but anyways. Um, you know, just to sum up with my basic impressions, I think the game is but ugly by 2022 standards. <laughs> like, you can't... I, I understand this is, like, a little bit after the beginning of the PlayStation era, but yeah. Cra Crash Bandicoot's kind of the gold standard for action platformer games, and that, yeah. that game looked beautiful. This, by comparison, you know, you got all these flat shapes on, like, these blobby polygonal models of the characters. I think yeah. they, they would have been better off if they did, like... 2d 16-bit sprites i think it would translate a lot better but um aside from like my my dissatisfaction with the visuals i think that what's going for it is really the gameplay here there's variety of gameplay similar to ren and stimpy where you can try a whole bunch of different things whether it's like a rescue mission you know mini golf you can play during the day and at night you got some races going on um I like how Mark Mothersbaugh, who's the, the main guy in the 80s band Devo, uh, not only did music for the Rugrats show, but he did original soundtracks specific to levels in this oh, game. that's awesome. So, it, yeah, it acts as like more of a standalone game instead of just drawing everything immediately from Rugrats. Um, the, the game's not too long. I like how it has an open-ended structure where you can choose the levels that you want to play, and there's some goodies to find too beyond just the Reptar uh, puzzle pieces and the Reptar bars that you collect. Uh, I think the Reptar bars are for unlockables. I don't remember exactly, but um, you know, aside from being a very dated looking game, 
Um, there's a lot of fun to be had here. What do you guys think? For me, this game is nostalgic. I remember my aunt and uncle having this game. They had a PlayStation, which at the time I thought it was weird because um, their kid was only like one or two at the time. And they were kind of older. So I was like, they're not playing it. So not I, I realized after it was like for me and like for my other cousins that were visiting. So I remember like going there and playing this game. And this is my history with it. So I remember watching the the intro and it is the Rugrats theme intro. And it's kind of like this like 3D kind of it, it's not great in today's standards like Brett was talking about. But I remember at the time, I thought it was so cool. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like 3D and futuristic looking, you know. Um, so this game came out on Halloween, which was I, I think was uh, interesting. So, I, yeah, I was probably yeah, eight, or, eight or nine when I played this. But I remember like I remember this like I remember playing in the pickles household and like exploring it was just like mind boggling to me. I thought it was so cool because we, I wasn't constrained to, you know, the cartoon. It was like one of the first like open kind of world experiences that I had as a gamer. So I remember like thinking, wow, this is so cool. I'm exploring the pickles household, which I've never done before. It was just, it was, it was a really cool experience. So I, I love the cutscenes and I love that the original voices were part of it and that the it wasn't just taken from the cartoon, but they actually had the voice actors come in and do some lines for this game specifically. There's a lot of little details like with Tommy crawling up the stairs, like he's like standing, crawling. Um, yeah, you mentioned the the anal not having an analog stick and especially like being a modern gamer now and like trying to figure it out it's like really difficult so you know yeah it, it feels like tank controls when you're using the shoulder buttons to navigate the camera yeah. and then with the d-pad exclusively totally and it's not like i mean it was 98 almost 99 so the analog sticks were around at that time so it's like yeah. why didn't they include that and then like the mini golf it was cool because there's like a, a lot of different aspects to this game but the mini golf was nine holes it, it just needed to be like three to five like nine it was like all right and it's not very hard. You just hit it and like making one in hole or hole in one and stuff. So um, I mean, overall, for me, this game is nostalgic, and I have great memories with it. But I remember it's not terrible. Like you know, yeah, going from guts to this personally, I'm like it's it's huge difference. You know, uh, this game yeah. although is like hard. Like any PlayStation game with the controls, you know, you go back to these games. That's part of going back and like you have to kind of refigure your brain because you're so used to like fluid camera angles now. And that's part of like the challenge is like, all right, how do I just play this game with the camera angles? And this game specifically right. is one of those challenges. Yeah. It's going back to basics and like you have to psych yourself out into saying, okay, I'm used to all these quality of life changes that were mm -hmm. introduced among the different console generations, but we just have to, um, you know, kind of pull things back to do it old school, old school faithful. And plus, who doesn't love like destroying a city with Reptarth in as he's like trying to make his way to City Hall? Right. <laughs> that that music used to scare me at the end because it's so foreboding. But uh, I think it was it was a great reward for surviving all these different like missions you had to do around the Pickles House and even beyond that. 
Yeah, and the ending's so weird. It's just Reptar like dancing for a very long time. He's doing- yeah, with like a top hat and cane. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, that's the ending. Cool, you know, like. I guess. <laughs> Apparently, Tommy resurrected Reptar from his puzzle once he got all the pieces together, <laughs> like some sort of relic from the Ark of the Covenant. I don't oh, know. Oh, that's dark. I like it. I, yeah. I, I will mention that also Stu in this game is very nightmare fuel. Like, his eyes yeah. are just so wide, and he's got this grin, and it's just creepy. He's just like, ah, I'm like, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. If you think that's bad, try going into the basement where his like workshop is with all the Mr. Fiend yes. dolls. Yes. <laughs> Alex, would you like to chime in? I, I've got nothing. Oh. Uh, this uh, I, this game at a point when I uh, I was much more into games like Metal Gear Solid and uh, things like that, and uh, Crash Bandicoot and things like mm. that. So I, I really didn't even consider giving Rugrats a look at all but i will say this is the only game that i have seen fans of nickelodeon uh, in different groups throw a lot of love to this game this is Mm -hmm. the only one that i've seen up to in the history of the nickelodeon game i've seen a lot of disdain for the games that we have talked about up to this point this is the first one where i've seen people go oh man i used to love this game when i was a kid i still love this game like Wait, what? There's a Nickelodeon game that's actually good? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think a lot, there's a lot of nostalgia going on because of like how popular Rugrats was at the time. So it really hit home with like Max and I and even my sister when we used to play the game back then when it was fresh out of, you know, the the video. Fresh out the box. Yeah. Stop looking, watch. Ready yet? Get set. It's Rugrats. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty well said i don't know what else we can really say beyond that i think you know even even if our experiences vary with all these 90s nick video games it's still important to recognize that they're a part of its history and like you know its efforts to try and branch out and try new things to further interact with kids because at the end of the day nick is kids and you know geraldine laybourne who was running uh nickelodeon during the golden era she understood that to a t so, you know, even if not every ball or dart sticks on the wall, at least some of them do. And, you know, that's why we get to share our memories here so fondly. Absolutely. I, I will say real quickly about this game. Um, I really like the spaceship level and it was about the yeah. imagination. And I think if I were to critique this game, it didn't have enough of those imagination based levels. And it just had like that one like. I would have loved a mega diapers baby level like that would have been. Fantastic. Hell yeah. That would have been awesome. Like if. If we had that today and like you get to play like four players with each of the babies against like a mega boss of Angelica and her like mech robo outfit, man, I'd be on that like flies to manure. Dude, it's just that would be an oh. awesome beat 'em up. Hell like yeah. A team, Hell like yeah. Like a TMNT arcade, do a mega diapers babies like beat 'em up. That would be yes. awesome. The game I, I have always wanted but didn't need, I needed, didn't know I needed until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that being said, what do you want to rate this, Max? I will rate this, um, I'll give it a B. Satisfactory. Yeah, definitely. Uh, For the nostalgia factor and the fact that I still replay this on occasion today, I'm going to bump it up to an A, so splatsalent. Yeah, I love this game. I I don't like looking at it, but I love playing it. (laughs) (laughs) I think if I would give it an A if the controls, like the cameras were better, but, you know, it's still good. That's fair. 
I'm just keeping things in mind in like the whole spectrum of our um, grading system because like, you know, with the S, triple S yeah. and double S, it's like, oh, this goes beyond our expectations totally. and stuff like yeah. that. So for me, this meets the expectations without yeah. doing anything too fancy. Cool. All right. So, um, you know, that that pretty much wraps up our playthrough of 90s Nick video games. Um, before we jump into our segment and close up the episode, we're actually going to do some honorable and dishonorable mentions real quick. Uh, Max, do you have any for us at all? Yeah. So I know we, we mentioned it earlier before, and I know this is not a Nickelodeon game, but I do want to mention it because I don't think many people know about it, but it's Doug's uh, big game on mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance. So it's not great. Game Boy Color, I think. Oh, okay. Game Boy Color. Yeah, it yeah. is Color. Okay. So it's not great, but the fact that it's a Doug game, I just love. You know, um, yeah. it's like a kind of, I don't know, you just do errands for everybody, and then you do like these mini games but to be able to be a uh, quail man that's just it's awesome right like i i wish it was a super nintendo release and i wish nickelodeon had the rights to it because you know the disney doug wasn't that great um but yeah. the fact that there's a doug game and i don't think many people know about it it's like it's worth checking out definitely i i used to have this one for my game boy color when i was a kid and i re- just remember uh, enjoying exploring all like the the popular locations of um, Bluffington, like just going into Doug's house, meeting all the characters. And there's even some sections where like I, I think it's the Quailman sections where you're flying around and you have to defeat like a Hydra version of Judy and right. like Roger's Clotzilla. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's it's fun. Yeah. I mean, Disney Doug qualms aside, this game is still worth playing if you just treat it as a everyday adventure game for the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention the follow-up game to Rugrats Search for Reptar with Rugrats Studio Tour, which came out on the PlayStation in 1999. That's a fun game. Yeah, yeah. What I like about it is that, you know, maybe it's not as faithful to the show as the previous game was, but it took, like, a lot of the gameplay elements that I enjoyed about the first game and just took it a little bit further. And this time, they essentially just go to, like, Hollywood to some backlots and explore, like, different themed worlds. So you have, like, a pirate world, you have a western world, you have a space world, you have, like this race race car derby type thing where you can do like kart racing within the game you get more mini golf which you know love it or hate it it's there um i personally love it but you know if you guys don't that's fine and then um you get i think you get another reptar chase too at the end where like he's chasing you indiana jones style like a giant boulder and you have to escape from him so you know even if even if you're not like too like particular about how it relates to the source material it's a it's a really fun game and has a lot of replay value and for me i like i said earlier i didn't play any nickelodeon games when i was a kid but there is one game that i did play and it's it's a loophole but it's one of those um one of the things that made the 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 network so special was how they would pull already existing cartoons over into the network to fill certain time slots, especially in the early 90s. And this cartoon show was one that was resyndicated from a different network, but they played it back on Nickelodeon for a while. So I still, it's still wrapped up in Nickelodeon history for me. And it is Tiny Toon Adventures Cartoon, cartoon Workshop. Uh, they, they had about three different games. I think they had a platform game, two platform games, uh, but, but this was 
really where my appreciation for film editing came into play. Uh, this came out in August of 92. It was made by Konami. And it, there's no linear game to this. It's you're making your own cartoon. You can pick the backdrop that you want. You'd, you'd have the Acme Luniversity. You'd have uh, an Old West setting. You'd have uh, Underwater. And then you'd have your list of characters. And each character had a, a specific movement that they could do. And you just make your own cartoon. And it was very simple. But I really loved it. You know, they had a game like that on the computers, like an X-Men cartoon maker. I used to play the yes. crap out of that. It reminds me of that. Movie Maker PC games were definitely all the rage back yeah. then because I used to play Simpsons Movie Maker too, oh, and so I th- I think it was just to get kids into like editing and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's it's good that we have those experiences as well. Totally. Um, I was just going to mention really quick that I also forgot as a quick honorable mention. Uh, Are you afraid of the Dark Orpheus Curse, which was a full motion video PC mm. game oh. yep. uh, that came out in 1994? I actually owned that and played it, and I uh, gave it away as like a giveaway on Instagram awesome. in 2020. Um, so that's like a basic uh, point and quick point and click adventure mystery game where you're like stuck inside of an old magic theater, and there's this like evil curse that you have to break free so that you're not like killed in the final magic act and it, it's a lot of fun it, it could be a little clunky to solve the puzzles at times um but you know overall it feels pretty faithful to the show and they even include like video sequences of the midnight society reacting to your decisions too so oh, that cool. adds a little extra flair to it cool. i will say yeah. uh, alex's answer remind me of another kind of kind of nickelodeon it wasn't a nickelodeon original but it was played on nickelodeon is inspector gadget and there's a great uh, yes. Super Nintendo game on, um, yeah, Super Nintendo game of Inspector Gadget. You use puzzles and stuff. It's very faithful to the cartoon. So that's a great game as well. Cool. Uh, for my dishonorable mention, we'll move on there. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to be brief with this. This is a Double Dare for the NES, and I really did not like this game. Um, I did get a chance to play it back in the day when I had friends who owned an SNES. I mean, uh, NES and it it just i don't know it, it really didn't capture the spirit of the show like i wanted it to maybe my expectations were too high but you know i didn't like the fact that mark summers wasn't in the game is just kind of some generic host uh the questions are kind of offbeat like you wouldn't really know what they were even more so than like the actual double dare questions yeah. um the color palette was kind of a muddy butterscotch kind of brown for most of it so it didn't have that vibrancy that i thought it would with, with like the game show stage mm-hmm. um there, there's no pc port it's relatively hard to find these days uh i just don't recommend it like it's one of those instances where they they tried something for the sake of trying something but you're just better off with the source material yeah yeah, that is the correct answer. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's not good. You know what was better was that like um, that home kind of version of Double Dare. It was kind of like a board game where. Yeah. That's better than playing the video game. But yeah. Do you have it, Alex? No freaking way. I'll, I'll just keep going. But yeah, it just sure. it doesn't look like the Double Dare game. Like. Yeah, the, the angles and like it looks like a stadium full of people in the background <laughs> yeah. instead of like a studio. Yes, he does have it. Uh, fantastic. You might have to turn off your background so we can see it better or just up. That's close. awesome. Yeah, that's better than the video game. 
<laughs> Alex is a floating head. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, have you had that since childhood, or or how did you there get that? Oh, it's the the ring toss game. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking. Okay, about. yeah, yeah. No, we can't hear. We can't hear. I was gonna say, Alex, how, how did you get that? Is that from childhood, or how did you acquire that? That is through eBay. Nice. Ah, nice. Great condition. I, I was having a, a game night with some friends and i wanted to have a, a retro nickelodeon uh board game night so i've got that and alex mack and uh are you afraid of the dark finders keepers tv land wow that's awesome got a got a got a bunch of them and uh i i didn't know these things existed so i was oh i wonder i wonder if nickelodeon has any they do i must have them all <laughs> they all, they also had a rugrats and doug board game too that had yes, like a pop-up with like several layers i used to have both as a kid but i was too young and too foolish to realize uh how to play it so unfortunately that fell apart within a month <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome but uh that's that's really cool thanks for sharing alex well we'll have to do an episode on those at some point oh definitely gotta cover the board games <laughs> um do you have anyone have any other uh dishonorable mentions fire dogs uh what do you dislike about fire dogs <laughs> It's existence. <laughs> uh, it's it's frustrating. It is incredibly frustrating and incredibly unfair. If you really want a good comical deep dive into it, go check out Cinemassacre's review of it because it's it's hilarious and very very accurate to how incredibly frustrating this game is. Fair enough. I, I actually used to have like a Tiger Electronic version of Fire Dogs as a kid when I was in second oh, grade. Oh wow! At the, it had this weird, it was gray and it had this like weird oblong rectangular screen. And then like the bottom of a game boy. So it was like top heavy. And there was only like two buttons on it where you had to move left and right. And I think you had to press a button to like catch it. I, I don't know the specifics, but I remember being a, addicted to that thing back when tiger electronics were a thing. And you were basically at the, the burning building as Ren and Stimpy with like the trampoline at the bottom moving left and right, like boop you know, game and watch style. Yeah. And you had to save like the walrus, the horse, the, the old lady. And I think the baby was the fourth one. And you just progress different levels by catching them faster and like racking up your score. And, you know, as frustrating as that can be from time to time for, for like an arcade format, that's probably like my earliest Nickelodeon video game memory. Cause that came out in 92 or three, I believe. Yeah. I'm checking it out on uh, Google right now too. It looks just like a, a Game Boy. <laughs> right? Like a knockoff yeah. Game Boy. <laughs> There's a lot of buttons for a handheld back then. Yeah. yeah that, it doesn't look good, yeah, we but gotta it looks show, cool. <laughs> we got to show that for our Slimesters and Gakoids so they can see what I saw back That's then. Awesome. <laughs> I, I bet the Double Dare handheld game was more fun than the NES Double Dare game. Probably. I feel like that would benefit from simpler, more streamlined controls. Yeah. Don't go away. Nickelodeon will be right back.
You were expecting someone else? Super Spy James Bond, Agent 007. The Bond franchise has been around for 60 years and has left an impact on movie history that films still borrow from to this day. Bond. James Bond. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> Bundy. Al Bundy. The name is Bond. Lou Bond. But are you aware of how much of an impact the franchise had on pop culture in the 80s and 90s? Chances are you've seen several Bond references and didn't know that that's what they were at the time. Do you expect me to talk? No, Agent Dexter. I expect you to smile. Austin Powers, Doug, Rugrats, Simpsons, Full House, Friends, even movies like The Santa Claus and Gremlins, and so many more all borrow elements from the Bond franchise. For our third bonus exclusive video, Brett and I discuss as many pop culture references that we can come up with that all allude to the Bond franchise. How many references can you think of? You will only find the episode exclusively on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash splatattack and join tier splat standing or splatceptional to get access to our exclusive episodes. Get your vodka martinis and get ready for a spytastic time. And now, back to the First Kids Network, Nickelodeon. Uh, all right, so without further ado, we're going to jump into our This or That segment. This or that, this or that, time to play this or that. All right, so for This or That, video game edition, we'll ask Alex and Max a series of questions that, you know, basically help them decide, would you like this or that? There's no right or wrong answer. We're just curious to hear your answers, and you can simply answer with one choice or elaborate on it. Uh, so question one, Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo? 100% Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo is my favorite console of all time. The sound and the music, that alone for Super Nintendo, I just, I mm -hmm. love the soundtracks. Uh, the sprites, there's so many fun games. Chrono Trigger, you know, uh, all the Super Mario ports. Um, there's just so much. NBA Jam. I love Super Nintendo so much. I'm going Super Nintendo yep. 100 at 100 times. I echoed the same sentiment. I That was the one that I played the most. I enjoyed the Genesis when I played it, but never to the degree where I had to have this thing. Uh, the Super Nintendo was the one that I had and played the fire out of. And I also found it amusing in the marketing that Sega Genesis was very aggressive. Sega! And it was, was very much about how they're better than Nintendo. Yeah. And Genesis Nintendo, does what Nintendo don't yeah. was their big ad. <laughs> and, Gen and Nintendo was just, Okay, we'll just keep coming out with good games. Yeah. And they did, and that's why they're still here, and Sega's not. Yeah, Sega kind of burned out like Ren and Stimpy did. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to actually go with Genesis, but also as my childhood answer, as my today answer, I got to go with both because yeah. – I don't, I don't discriminate across platforms anymore. Um, it's really just more about the games themselves and how, how much fun I have. And those Mario games, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy. Um, I'm trying to think what else was popular on the system. Donkey Kong Country, oh my goodness. I would play that nonstop. Um, they're just quality games, and you can't beat that no matter how much advertising you got going with you. So, um, you know, Sonic's pretty cool, yeah, Sonic's but there cool. wasn't... 
there wasn't much aside from like Toe Jam and Earl or like Echo the Dolphin yeah. or maybe the Batman game or uh, James Pond. Yeah, James Pond that we talked about in our Patreon episode. Oh my Altered god. Altered Beast. Yeah, Altered Beast oh, is yes. our classic. So, you know, each each system has their own like gotta try games. Um it's just yep. a matter of like what's your style and preference. Also Streets of Rage and Gunstar Heroes, that's good too. So Genesis, but also SNES for me. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about like when we were kids, the kind of litmus test of if someone was rich was if they had both Super Nintendo and Sega. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why I had a friend so I can go over his house and he can come over my right. house so we could save money. Because if you had both, I was like, oh, you're rich. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, most of the time I'm... it was either or or you didn't have. Yep. Right. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yep. All right, well, uh, piggybacking off of that for question two, 8-bit or 16-bit graphics? 16, definitely. Uh, similar, just the, the sounds and the sprites and the colors. Um, I'm going 16. I Even though I have more NES games, which is ironic, <laughs> um, I th- the library's bigger. But um, yeah. S- Super Nintendo, you know, Sega... It's just there was something about it that was just a magical time in video game history. Mm. Agreed. I, yeah. I also say sixteen bit. Uh, I, I enjoyed the eight bit games. I still play the eight bit games, but just a, a, a broader palette of things to create with. I'm gonna agree with you as well. Sixteen bit all the way because uh, NES, Genesis, whatever console was around at the time, they really hit their stride with that improvement of what worked before. Uh, which whereas like 8-bit just laid the foundation and you know they they still found creative ways to make it colorful but you couldn't get like shaded nuances or you couldn't get very detailed complex patterns going on or you know they didn't even have the fx chip which you know allowed you to do some really cool things on the snes with like rotating graphics and whatnot so um i think 16-bit and it's aged like fine wine i still play retro games like that today yep question three 2D or 3D games? For me, this is hard to answer because it's like, what era are we talking about? So if we're talking yes. like nostalgic... I, I, I say in the context of the 90s. Okay, def- definitely. Because if we include every era, that's going to be a very difficult question. Yeah. We'll be here all yeah. day. Um, yeah. Definitely 2D then. Because mm-hmm. especially like the Nintendo 64 and a lot of the PlayStation games have not aged well. There's this because mm. it's the camera angles and stuff like we were talking yeah. about earlier in the Rugrats game. So like the 2D, it was just, you know, there is a, you know, a sprite in the in the front and there's a, you know, background. So there's a foreground, there's a background and it's a simple. So with the 3D, oh my gosh, I played Bubsy 3D. Have you guys played that? that is <laughs> oh, one of oh God. Games ever. Awful. Yeah, I agree. So. I bought that game thinking it was going to be cool and stuff. It was like really cheap. Game's awful. So it's games like that where it's just like 3D back in the day. You know, it more times than none, the game sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it was I mean, to be to be fair, though, Bubsy sucked in general, but it sucked less on uh, SNES with one and two. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I, I agree with that. If we're sticking to retro gaming, 2d definitely because you did have some great 3d games especially when the 64 came out but uh, i mean super mario world uh super mario 64 so brilliant game 
but uh then you got castlevania on the 64 and <laughs> not, not not as much uh the, the, most of the time the 3d in early or late 90s just was was not well done but they were still getting their feet wet at that point but definitely 2d and retro gaming i think i'll have to go with both on this one even though i lean towards 2d just because most of my nostalgia is evenly split between the sega genesis and sony playstation 1 growing up um and they had a lot of great titles too outside of you know the 90s nick ones that we reviewed today uh, you know, mascot games like Sonic and ba- uh, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, uh, Super Mario, because I did have an N64 at the time as well. Um, I can't, I can't beat that gameplay. And even if some of them don't look quite as aesthetically pleasing, it's still good enough where you're like, yeah, okay, I can stand looking at this for a playthrough or two. Like especially with the better designed games, like you know, GoldenEye or you know any of the ones we already mentioned, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, anything like that. That's just really refined um so i I gotta i gotta give it to both of them because i have great memories of each and you know some games age better than others but in both categories uh question four are real monsters for snes or are real monsters for sega genesis i've never played the genesis version so for me it's super nintendo i am going to easily say super nintendo just because you have a button (laughs) for doing the special combinations and not a combination. I'm just, point done. I'm going to be the odd one out and go with Genesis because A, that's what I grew up with, and B, I got used to the button combinations, mm-hmm. even if the hit detection wasn't great. And for our last question of this or that, Rocco's Modern Life or Ren and Stimpy video game? Uh, easily the Ren and Stimpy video game. So uh, if we're talking about the ones that we reviewed today. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, if you're paying attention, Tension, that was my highest rated game that we did the, out of the five. So uh, I'm going to go Ren and Stimpy. That's like asking, would you rather use the porta potty <laughs> or would you rather go into this palace with a with a golden toilet? Uh, I, I will go to Ren and Stimpy easily. I'll, so the porta potty then. <laughs> I'll, I'll do one better, Alex. It's like asking, would you rather wipe with Charmin soft or sandpaper? Sandpaper. <laughs> exactly. I mean, some people like it rough. <laughs> or, a, or a cheese grater. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ren and Stimpy. I did not like the Rocco game. Uh, you know, points for the graphics, but eh. The Stimpy's invention I enjoyed more, even if it had a couple of sections that bothered me. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, let's uh, take out the cartridges and unplug our consoles because we're done with this episode. If uh, you can turn any 90s Nickelodeon show into a video game, what would it be, Slimesters and Gatkoids? How would you play and also what genre would it be? We've mentioned during the episode that we'd like to see like a Legends of the Hidden Temple video game or redo the Rocco one. So, you know, let us know at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram if you have any retro game 90s Nickelodeon ideas that you'd love to share in a future Mona's Mailbag segment. Uh, with that being said, Max, it was a real blast from the past to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us to talk video games. And uh, where can all of our listeners find you at? Yeah, we're at Ready to Retro. So it's two. So we're on all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, we have a partnership with Spreaker right now. So uh, it is the iHeart um, 
podcasting platform. So get to know them. That's great. Uh, I, I will say I wanted to bring this up and I'm not trying to prolong this episode, but just, just thoughts. Have you guys played the uh, Nickelodeon all-star brawl yet? I have not, but I've seen it. And I like that there's nineties Nick characters in it. Like Opalina, Ren and Stimpy and Reptar. Yeah. I'll just say it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's not at the tier of smash bros, which, mm. it, you know, it, for me, like I love smash bros. I love ultimate. So to like be really familiar with that and like play the brawl game, it, it's kind of hard. Um, Reptar yeah. is OP and it's only, he, he's just, <laughs> and that's what sucks is like, there's certain characters that are just better than the other ones. So, um, and the hit detection is kind of weird. I enjoyed it. Like I got it pretty much on launch day. So uh, it's fun. I, I'm hoping that they, you know, release more characters than just the Ninja Turtle characters. Like, I don't know. I would love to see, you know, Artie, the strongest man in the world. Like that would be right? cool. I don't see that happening, but that would be fun uh, to see that. But like Powder Toastman's in it, which is cool. But um, okay. I, I had to mention it's that. It's trying. Yeah, I had to mention <laughs> cool. that. Cool. So. But yeah, go follow us, Ready to Retro. It's myself, my cousin Chris, and the Duchess of Horror, Chelsea. We talk about, you know, 80s and 90s, mostly 90s, but um, we have some really cool interviews. If you love Nickelodeon stuff, we do Nickelodeon. um, Sorry, we do a whole month in November. We call it Nick November, and we've had um, guests from all that that's been on there. So we've had, like, Angelique Bates. And um, we've had Elisa um, Reyes. Reyes. So, Reyes. Yeah. So, you know, I know if you're listening to this podcast, you love Nickelodeon. So if you're looking for more Nickelodeon content, you could go to Ready Retro. But uh, Splat Attack, we love you guys. You guys are so awesome. And the content that you guys put out is like top tier. So uh, just from one podcaster to another, uh, you guys are doing great work and keep it up. Thank, Thank you, Max. Max. That means a lot to us. We, we greatly appreciate your work too. Cause you're no slouch either. Yes. Lo- love the hook and clue episodes in particular. That really hit hard for me. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Slimesters and Gakoids time to return these video games, but uh, tune in next time as we head from video game to game show territory with a uniquely formatted episode, which we call uh, Nick and Josh legends to the end. Uh, what do you think it's about? Why don't you figure that out? (laughs) All we can say is let's rock and it's going to be a fun one because we're going to cover a whole wide of topics and these guys are just itching to tell us all about their experiences. So we hope you join us for episode 22 featuring these two guys. Alex, would you drain the slime tank for us, please? Aye, aye, co-captain. If you're going to the store, get me a copy of that Agro Monsters game. You got it. Actually, uh, let me get two just in case. (laughs) (laughs) One for me, one for you. (laughs) All right. I'm down. Do you want the SNES or Genesis version? SNES. I want the button. Mobile port. Got it. (laughs) Uh, All right, right, Slimesters and Gakoids. Splat you later. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What do we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. 
I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Bye-bye. Are you a vidiot? Do you get video vision? Experience TV trances? Or have the urge to scream? Then you are a vidiot. And the new Ren and Stimpy Super Nintendo game is just for you. It's four adventures in one. The Boy Who Cried Rat. In the Army. Stimpy's Invention. And Maru. Warning, may induce fits of happiness. It's vidiots for vidiots like you. New from THQ for Super Nintendo. Also available on Game Boy.